he really got me. You know, I think it's because he was gay. Got the nuances more. get me a gay mickey gotta get a gay hello and welcome to another episode of in the details a celebration of nuance where each time i record an episode i queen out on all of the acting choices micro moments and magic of the minutiae that make a scene great my name is colin drucker your name is barbara belgettis and this week we are joined by a familiar face a familiar voice if you will please welcome back to the podcast nick kachanov Hello, you. <laughs> Just have to start out with a Moira, you know. Thank you. Th- I mean, really, you start off on a, on on the best foot possible. Yes. Um. Oh. It's uh. Yeah. I'm, I'm. I as I said right before we started recording, I'm having kind of a Mrs. Doubtfire moment because we. Yeah. This is you know we've we we have worked together before. Yeah. Um, because of course every week we are also doing best supporting podcast. Yes. Uh, which I have to imagine there's a bit of a crossover. If you're listening to this, you're probably listening to that. And if you're not, well, guess what? You should listen to Best Supporting Podcast because yeah. it's going to be a lot of this. Yes. Mm. Excuse me. I'm just taking a sip of my... Well, it's um, it's a water bottle that has a couple squirts of Lemonade Mio and then a couple squirts of uh, Berry Sangria Crystal Light. Wow. Yeah. I feel like there should be a clever name that you've come up with for that. Oh, but, um, I know. You know I, name I, pending. Patent pending. On patent pending. Called. But indeed, like... <laughs> Cocktails, I have done this where it's like, okay, all this is is vodka, water, and Mio squirts. Like, Oh, yeah. This is gross, but it's true. Yeah, that um, works. Yeah. It does. Uh, anyway, that, of course, has nothing to do with what we are here to talk about today, which is, of course, of course, a tearful goodbye to Schitt's Creek. Yeah. Because uh, the season recently ended, season six recently ended, and... Uh, while the last episode was great, I really think the payoff for me was the sort of post-show making of behind the scenes of season six, which was... Best wishes and warmest regards. Yes. Or comma, uh, warmest regards. Warmest me. regards. Yeah. And uh, which was written and directed by Amy Siegel or Seagal. Pardon me if I get that wrong. Sure. And I wanted to just mention that because... I think that she has a lot to do with why this was so good. I This was one of the best making of documentaries of a TV show that I have seen. This was one of the most affecting and like, ugh, it was just so good. Ugh. It was beautiful. I, I feel like every show should have one of these, or at least the shows that I really love, like a Parks mm-hmm. and Rec sort of thing, um, mm-hmm. the office sort of idea, because you hope above all that these people are just as you know friendly and loving and just incredible as they are on screen and it just they just are what is which is so lovely for lack of it's so canadian <laughs> I, well that's what it's i was just thinking. the perfect canadian present you know yeah it, it there is this canadianness about it that i can't really put my finger on yeah. um but of course i am uh there's something about canada that i'm just fascinated by yeah. i um, I don't know. There's something about it. I'm just, and it, it's not just like a post-Trump feeling of I got to get out of this country. Yeah. I'm going to Canada. It's kind of always been like, what? There's just something about Canada. It it looks similar, but then there's something that's different, and I can't put my finger yeah. on it. Have you been to um, Canada? 
a couple I times. have. I have been a couple times. Been to Toronto, uh, Montreal, and uh, Quebec, and Ooh, it's like right. really nice. I mean, I I would go back maybe this summer, maybe if uh, if uh, this whole shutdown situation uh, does yeah, the opposite ceases. of shutting down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> then uh, opens up. I guess that would be the term. Opens up. There we go. Uh, <laughs> then uh, maybe I'll go back. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, you know, I, it's funny. I was on the IMDb page for this little documentary, and I was just curious what the other reviews were saying, like the Ooh. user reviews. And some of them, not to start off on a negative foot, but some of them were like kind of critical. And one of the uh, reviews was saying that this is very much a goodbye for American audiences and not as much for Canadian audiences in that when you look at kind of the the span of talking heads that they have and the, the feature voices they have talking about the show, none of them are Canadian or almost none of them are Canadian uh, outside of the cast. Interesting. And so I guess there was this feeling that is because the show is like publicly funded. Like why wasn't there more? Yeah. Canadian Paula rep- Abdul. Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. Right. Why are you here? Yeah. Like, it's like that was great. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. That was the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. She was, uh, she is always just <laughs> teetering and tottering. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I I respect that point of view. Fair, I wanted to mention yeah. that because I I did really appreciate the Canadian feeling of this, but I I was like, okay, I get what you're saying. Sure. Um, that being said, I still love this. Oh so, yeah, yeah. That doesn't invalidate how much I how powerful I think this was. Yeah. Um, before we get into this documentary itself, I feel like we should kind of set up, you know, our our. Overall feelings about Schitt's Creek, what the show kind of said for us when we kind of first discovered it. I feel like setting the scene there, everyone listening knows what Schitt's Creek is. I've done an episode on um, Good to See You, Mr. Bagel, on that scene between Alexis and Ted. So um, if you're a listener of this podcast and you want to hear me talk about Schitt's Creek even more, go back to that episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So I won't go into a whole like, well, you know, here's the story of Schitt's Creek. I'm going to assume you all are caught up. Yeah. Um, What's your like when did when did you discover Shits Creek? I think I discovered Shits Creek uh I'm trying to think of when the seasons were released on Netflix because yeah, so I think uh 1 through 4 was on Netflix. So at uh, late in the game for sure to to answer mm-hmm. your question. And then season 5 I think I bought season 5 on iTunes or Amazon or something because I could not wait and it came out on Netflix probably about 2 months later after that but I'm certainly glad I bought it well worth the price of admission um and then obviously season 6 just came out recently but yeah so late in the game I remember it's like so funny because I I just wish I could go back and uh and tell myself like come on and cuz a lot of my friends I shouldn't say a lot but a handful uh, of my friends suggested it and told me that I would love it. And I didn't, I never really even researched it. I was like, it wasn't on my radar, but it kind of was. And then once I got into it, I was into it. I mean, there's just kind of a natural evolution of, um, we talked on Best Supporting Podcast this past week about when you watch a TV show or a movie of how quickly or how easily you can kind of just slip into the world and you just like know mm-hmm. like, oh, this is this is the party that I should be attending <laughs> and all the people right. that are here are great. Right, um, right. And, and I, I think I might be in good company too. Um, it does take a moment. It does take a moment to kind of settle into the characters. But once you start... Um, seeing the heart behind the show and everyone's individual story of how they kind of deal with this, uh, you know, the new 
territory for lack of a better word and and what and how they develop over time and how they change and evolve that's the real magic of the show and just like the whole world that Dan Levy and the room of writers I will say mm. you know it's not just a Dan Levy joint it is a Dan Levy joint in on paper I guess but I'm sure there's a lot of people we saw in that writing room um, that contribute to uh, the stories and characters that we love so dearly I just I really just think it's a a gem of a show and I, I like that it's getting more and more it's kind of how I felt about Drag Race it's like now mm. it's to the point where it's like whoa this is like a juggernaut you know and best reality competition show whereas like five years ago it wasn't even on anyone's radar it kind of has a similar trajectory of sorts I guess and I would hope that Shit's Creek is nominated for Emmys this year I, I hope mm-hmm. that this might be like one of those like fleabag moments where it just like sweeps I would love that I right love that even though there isn't another season coming yeah yeah um so those yeah. those that's my opening statement my loaded Lovely. opening statement but yeah how about you um, you know, it's it's funny, especially watching this and, you know, talking to you and even hearing from other people. It is very much a similar experience. I came to it late in the game. I found it on Netflix. I started watching. I watched the first three episodes and then I fell off for like months. And I was like, mm-hmm. I know I should get back into it. I know. Yeah, no, it was good. Like, I think it's fair to say that, like, the pilot or the, the, or the initial, ep- you know, first episode, because the pilot, as we discover from this documentary, was a whole other 14 minute thing but the first episode yeah. of the series is a little bit you're not sure you're like do I how long do I want to spend with these people like yeah. you don't you don't fall in love with anybody really in the first episode I think um not as deeply as you do later I think yeah. um th- even the charm of the town itself obviously if if the town was charming from episode 1 the whole arc of the show would would disappear um so I I think it takes you know, a couple episodes. It takes David meeting Stevie and it takes kind of a yes. friendship developing there. Moira um, meeting Jocelyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meeting Jocelyn and like meeting those characters. Um, whenever Bob shows up, you know, like I think... <laughs> Bob's crush. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, then it kind of gets its hooks in you. But honestly, like I... Once I got back into it, I feel like I was half-heartedly watching like seasons two and three. I mean, mm-hmm. I've since gone back, but... I definitely wasn't paying as much attention until probably season four when things got a little more emotional. Yes. And it may have even been that good to see you, Mr. Bagel episode or somewhere around there where it really, I sat up and I was like, Oh, this is doing something like this is Alexis is more than I thought she would be. And it took me a while to fully appreciate Moira. Like I always got it from the start but I didn't really like recognize how good it was until like repeated <laughs> viewings, you know? Yes. Um, and it was, that was kind of what it was, was over time. I just started to see, you know, even down to the editing, like what I love is so many of the episodes end on a really, uh, a really specific note and a very sort of like, it's like a secondary character's reaction. And then that's the last shot. And yeah. I think that that, that just like blows my mind. Like that's, there's something about that. It's such a an economic choice that changes everything, and mm-hmm. um, it kind of makes me think of this is such a, a, a reference that probably neither of us would normally pull from. But have you ever seen uh, the original Godfather? 
Ugh, I have, but I don't know any of the references. Oh, um, do you remember the ending when they're when he's closing the door on Diane Keaton's face? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. The, the references the gays would know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I should have just I should have just led with. Remember like, when they closed the door? With Diane Keaton. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah. Where am I? Um, <laughs> gosh, right. Yeah. How daunting a question. Have you ever seen The Godfather? Ugh, it's like, oh come on, gross. come on. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dude. everyone who loves The Godfather. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, but but it's like oh do I remember when when he closes the door on Dan Keaton yes yeah, yeah of course the I drama it. mama <laughs> oh god um, so that I think there's an element that in that moment where because the movie ends on her in a way and it ends on mm. that note of of the door closing in Kay's face it just for me it stood out because i was like oh that's not how i expected this this huge movie to end you know yeah um and so i think shits creek would do that with certain and you know even ending certain scenes or ending the episode and then that really stuck out to me yeah um and then whenever i mean i feel like season five was probably when it really started to make me cry you know and like mm-hmm. then once that starts well like i'm an octopus i'm like i'm hooked on you know yeah and yeah. even that's kind of like the whole uh not trajectory, but just like how this uh, this special, this behind the scenes special, like at first it just starts with some facts and like, you know, Dan Levy wakes up in a hotel room. It's very, it's very staged, but I like it. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. into it. It's like he wakes up and he's like stumbling to the elevator and it's the first day of shooting of the last season too. But once it hits a certain spot, like it's just tears. It, it oh. just goes. I know. Um, yeah. But it's true. It really does kind of unfold and you're like, yes. and and I think it's it hints at it with some of the music. Like mm-hmm. there's certain elements of the music that feel like, oh, this is really kind of lulling me into a sentimental state. Yes. And then it just like comes in like and that's and I should say that's what we are here to talk about today, of course, is yeah. um, because I I I really enjoyed the last episode. And so I bought the last season. Obviously, I bought it on on iTunes. Okay. So. When the last episode dropped, so did Best Wishes, Warm Regards. Yes. And so, and I woke up real early, and I remember sitting at my table in the living Ugh. room. I had my cup of coffee and my tangerines and my toast. <laughs> and I, and so I watched the final episode, and I really enjoyed it. You know, there's a lot of moments from season six that I really enjoyed. Um, and I, I think there was a lot about the last episode that was fully satisfying, but... Mm-hmm. I think it was really this, you know, best wishes, warm regards that gave me that catharsis of the final episode. I think if I didn't have both, I may have felt a little bit like, oh, oh, it's over. Oh, shit. Like I would have had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. And so it was like I finished the episode and I was kind of, you know, filled up with nowhere to to put it. And then it Mm -hmm. was like, okay, dive into best wishes, warm regards. And then it was just... Sweet release. And so that was like, what was your experience watching it? When did you watch this? Did you do the same thing? Yeah. um, Just to kind of go back to the finale, but I would even say that like the penultimate episode, I always kind of feel are the best episodes because it's where most of the resolution happens, I guess, at least in this regard too. It's like a lot of things were sort of wrapped up. We got to see um, 
a slew of characters in that second to last episode. And then, and then like the last episode is like the wedding and it's so rushed. It almost feels like, I mean, obviously it is the day of a wedding, but I would imagine I've not got married, um, Mm. but I would imagine that day is such a blur at the same time too. And the the episode itself kind of reflects that because it's just like, Oh, things are going wrong. We have to do this. Okay. Mm -hmm. Quick, quick goodbye to Jocelyn and Ronnie. Like they're not in it that much, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's mainly about David and, you know, the core cast. Um, but, uh, I don't really know how to put a button on that thought, but, uh, going back to your, um, questions watching this is we, we did it in the exact same order. Keanu and I watched Mm -hmm. the finale and then we watched the, and I just love a behind the scenes. I mean, I could watch like Catherine O'Hara costume fittings all day. Oh my God. (laughs) Or the screen tests, like the screen tests. I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, I thought about that with the costume fittings, and I was like, wow. <clears throat> I'm sure it does get old sometimes, but imagine just a day of just getting into those costumes. Uh, and like, a dream. Just creating those those illusions. You know, like it was, it, I, I never really, I didn't appreciate how much the fashion was a part of this show. Like, this documentary really made me certainly see that. But um, I, that being said, I fully agree. I think the last episode felt a little rushed, mm-hmm. and... I think that the the happy ending subplot kind of felt like mm, this, mm, like from what we've seen in past episodes where he just like just kisses Ted during the um, spin the bottle and was like, oh, yeah, really shaken by that. Like I kind of felt like the hand job would have been even worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. So right? it was like, oh, that's something you have to kind of just get over pretty quickly. Don't you? Um, yeah. But uh, so that kind of like threw me off for a second because I was like, ooh. I guess if it was my wedding day and I just found out that my uh, husband to be just got a happy ending, I'd I'd be a little distracted. <laughs> I, I um, guess so. Yeah, yeah. but there um, is that suspension of disbelief, I suppose. That we just we just go with it. I, right. I think the biggest surprise for me for that finale was that it wasn't a full hour. I was surprised it was only Ooh. a half hour. But if it comes, if that was the price we paid to get this documentary, then I'm I'm okay with it. And what what do we yeah. call this? A documentary, a feature, a behind the scenes, a special? I've been, I've been struggling with that. I'm yeah. like calling it a documentary. I feel like I'm being too haughty. I'm I'm playing the grand dame, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> it was trite, actually. <laughs> Tammy Brown. Tammy, Tammy Brown. Brown. I just I think uh, that and she was really channeling her. I love that those are yeah. two deep cuts that you have kept I alive. Ugh. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, it has to be. But I think uh we'll call it a documentary just because why not? You know, yeah. we're here. Uh we're not pretentious. We're just trying to find a word. Um yeah, I, I think that that was what I felt kind of rewatching the last episode was I could have seen this being an hour and having us see kind of more of a goodbye with the other like secondary characters yeah. in like a post wedding scenes, you know? Ooh, like the reception. The reception. That been lovely. Like we find out they're up all night, but we don't see any of that. And so it felt like, oh, I feel like we've missed something here. Yes. That's what I, I would have loved to mm-hmm. seen, you know, I don't know, Ronnie dancing with, you know, Bob, Bob. or something. Yeah, where, exactly. where was Bob during this documentary? I need to know. Yeah, Bob was not in the documentary <sighs> at all. There was like one one quick shot with Chris Elliott, one quick interview with him, and like another shot of him hugging Catherine O'Hara, but we don't see much of him either. Yeah, it's interesting. It was, yeah, I, I was like, okay, well, maybe some people are just busy. But yeah, yeah it, I think that's what I needed. But to your point, I think the documentary 
it's interesting because it kind of filled in those gaps. Instead of giving us the fictional character saying goodbye, it gave us the actor saying goodbye. And yeah. I think as fans of the show, I didn't realize how much more impactful that would be until I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like, in some ways, I wonder if we got like a full hour finale and we got to see all the characters saying goodbye, would it feel not Ooh, a little redundant? Yeah. yeah. But maybe a little redundant. Yeah. It's so, it, you know, it's an interesting choice. Um, but all of that to say that w- while usually on this podcast, uh, I like to, we like to dive into um, fiction, you know, scenes, yeah. acting choices. This is, you know, veering a little bit off path um, to really some of our favorite emotional moments mm-hmm. from the Schitt's Creek Goodbye documentary. Yeah. Um, some moments that made us cry because I have to tell you, I, I did get a good, good cathartic cry out yes. of this documentary. It was I was very, surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I, there's so much love for these people. And I don't know. There's something just about the whole Schitt's Creek lore about how it was like the little engine that could and how they, and granted, yes, if you, it's, it's really nice to have Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara at your disposal. And it also mm-hmm. like a father who has been in the business to guide you through it. Um, but all that being said, it's like there's a line at the beginning where he's like, "For the I, there hasn't been a day in the last six years that I haven't thought about this show. It seems like a lot of work. Um, yeah. And even on a smaller scale, especially when you are a little bit scrappy, um, it just made me want to go out and create something. It made me want to mm-hmm. like write something or just uh, do something creative. I was like, yeah, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's like a good response. I feel yes. like things like this should inspire that because it yeah. is, I think Dan Levy makes a really great point in the beginning that like, is it like, like, is it hard? Like, is it all, con- is it exhausting? Yes. But is it like worth it? I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, is it worth it? Yes. Like, is it fulfilling? Yes. And I yes. think that that's like, I think if it, it is that cliche that if you really love it, like, yeah, there's going to be days where it's a lot of work, but overall you, you care about the reason you're doing the work. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know why this popped into my head. It's a total subject change, but do you, I could not pick up whether Catherine O'Hara was being sarcastic or being honest when she said she didn't want to do this at the beginning. Did you, what was that? Because I wrote, she said, Mm -hmm. no, I don't think so. I'm kind of busy doing nothing. But that seemed like sarcasm. Like, of course I want to do it. But then the next Mm. sentence was like, how stupid could I have been to say no to this? Because she alludes to something that maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Am I am I reading into it? Did you did you catch that moment or not? I, I did. I was a bit confused by that as well because at first it seemed like there was she was making a joke of like, no, of course I don't want to do that. I'm too busy doing nothing. Yeah. But I, it sounds like she probably had some hesitation or was like, sure. okay, I'll, you know, I'll do this pilot for you, but like, you know, yeah. I'll do this, but like, probably maybe needed some talking into yeah to some extent, and it was maybe glossed over. But and I feel like that's what she was trying to gloss over was like. At, at at one point I was wrong and I wasn't sure about this and like what a mistake that would have been. Yeah. And, and I'm so, yeah. yeah, like I, I think they were just trying to pave over that it wasn't the glorified story of why, of course, yes, a chance yeah. to do this. I'd love to, you know? Yes. Okay. I just had to clear that up. I hear that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I hear that. There's, you know, uh, these are the nuances, you know, if That's we don't right. name them. Um, so if we don't name them, if we don't name them, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the end of that sentence. Then, 
then they'll go unnamed. Exactly. So, anyway. cut print Emmy. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cut print Webby. Yeah. Uh, whatever award podcasts get. Yes. So, oh, you know, I'm looking at my notes, and I should have mentioned this when we talked about the Canadianness of it all. But one of the things that felt the most Canadian, or that I felt we wouldn't see on American television, was Karen Robinson not wearing any shoes. Oh my God! Best supporting toenails. It's Best like it, toenails. What a lovely yeah. color! It was like a, a turquoise. Yeah, you know, like a Native American turquoise <laughs> yeah. jewelry. It was great. I was yeah. like, you know, yeah, get comfortable. She and is I liked comfy. How- she was comfortable. She said, I'm going to take my shoes off. I'm, can I get comfortable? Yeah, of course you can. Yes. Uh, I love that. I love that, like, Emily Hampshire, like, crossed her legs in the chair. Like, it just oh, felt so... Oh, those chairs. I think chairs. Emily Emily had the best one. She had a little best chair. That floral, yeah. Yes. Or yeah. Eugene Levy. I like a big leather, like, brick chair that's, mm. like, that looks... Doesn't look comfortable, but it is comfortable at the same time. Yeah. That's my kind of... Yeah, something you sink aesthetic. into just enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, there, there was indeed, and I think the Canadianness uh, was part of what really kind of charmed me. Like I just, I, whenever I see clips from like Canadian news anchors or Canadian news segments, there's just something about it that's, I don't know. I don't know why I love it so much. It just feels a little bit nicer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's hard to articulate, but I, I get that. I'm sure mm-hmm. all the Canadians out there are like, these two are idiots, but, but I know with, it's said with love. It is said I, with yeah, love. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. condescending or, you know, um, anything of the sort. There is a gentleness. There is a kindness. Um, that's hard to really articulate anyway. Yeah. But I think there was something about that, that especially watching this, you know, cause this came out in early April. And so we were really, uh, you know, into the initial weeks of quarantine yeah. that I think to your point that that kind of gentle kind like vibe, whether Canadian or otherwise, like I needed that. Like, I think mm-hmm. there's something about the timing of this as well that I needed a, a, a I needed a 42 minute behind the scenes love letter that day. And, yeah. um, and so there's something, I think all of that really feeds into why this was so moving. Yeah. Um, I want to dive. I mean, there's so many. Yeah, let's get into it. Wonderful moments, but I think uh, the the one that really I thought I actually was really excited to see, and, and we may bounce around chronologically in this, yeah. but the the one segment I was really excited to see because I had read about it was the filming of the breakup between Ted and Alexis. Oh yeah, this is the start of it all. This yes. is really like ground zero for the tears just mm-hmm. coming. But go ahead, yeah. go on, go on. Totally, I, and that's a good point. I think that's when it was like, because at that point they had, you know, they kind of talked about the casting and they talked about getting Catherine and it was like, and they talked about, you know, her costumes and her wigs and they're like, yeah, I love the appreciation, you know? Mm-hmm. Just like someone standing there with a cup of Starbucks, just like watching Catherine try on costumes and be like, I think mm-hmm. we need a belt here. You know, I just want to be in that room. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> and it felt like, okay, that's what we're going for here. We're, we're just going to have a good time remembering the good times. Yeah. yeah. And I had read about when they filmed that scene and I'd read Annie Murphy, an interview with her talking about seeing Eugene Levy after they'd finished recording oh. that scene and how he was in tears and he gave her a big hug. And so to actually see all that play out and to like kind of revisit that, it was, uh, I mean, I think as the scene played out, it was like first Sarah Levy started crying and then they show Dan Levy like, you know, crying and then they show Eugene Levy crying and it's like, and then, yeah. So Annie Murphy then tells the story of 
you know, she gets off set and then she turns the corner and there's Eugene Levy with his arms open and he just goes, Annie. And then he gives her a hug and she says how he can feel, she can feel his chest kind of heave. And his voice sob. breaks, she says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, was, voice that, was it. that was it for me. Yes, I agree. No, you're right. That That's the nuance is his voice broke and then she just lost it. And I thought, wow, that's... Um, it was like I, I was like, thank you for letting us be as a, as much a part of that mo- moment as possible, you know. Yeah, and I'm glad they they showed that, but they didn't show that moment. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that she described it rather than them showing it. Um, she mm. said, "As sad Eugene Levy mm. is is a heartbreaker, and I can yeah. only imagine no one ever wants to make Eugene Levy upset. No, he he seems like a very uh, yeah, he seems like a very sweet energy. There's something about him that it seems like, like a Steve Carell mm-hmm. uh, sort of. Tom yeah. Hanks in real life despite whatever he plays there's like a a level-headed calmness about him yeah uh, yeah that I yeah I, I also really grew to appreciate him in the last season I feel like he was the character I saw the nuances in the least like I kind of felt like he was more of like the straight man for lack of a better term and then I think in the last season I really saw Johnny's nuances like I think that scene where he and Ted are watching the baseball game is genius it's just genius i was like this is this is the queer experience but it's it's different it's oh my god so i really oh sorry it's on did you say you and ted i'm assuming you said you and patrick or maybe i just oh patrick excuse me patrick Um, yes but yes thank you i just Mm -hmm. wanted to save the tweets from coming in oh god the tweets actually yeah (laughs) yeah actually uh you should really do your research (laughs) exactly uh but that episode I think like just as much as because I've been watching so much Parks and Rec lately, too. And I think this is actually uh, due to Amanda and I doing that episode on 30 Rock Parks and Rec uh, and The Office available on Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour podcast. Mm. Um, but really gaining a, a larger appreciation for Ben, for Ben Wyatt and how yes. well he does awkwardness. Uh, he is the expert at it like when he gets nervous around police officers like that is some of his best work yeah um yeah and and it's it's the same thing because he's the straight man to to leslie but he also just like eugene levy is funny and makes it look very easy Mm -hmm. um so it's it's easy to overlook that for sure and i i often do Mm -hmm. i mean it is very much supporting actor work you know oh yeah you know but it's it's very subtle but i think uh yeah i agree about ben as well is it it's uh he's found he found ways or they found ways to layer that character with his own weirdness while still being the sort of the straight man to leslie yeah yeah exactly and it, mm. he, he does have funny moments and his uh and i just like uh cuz he is or this is um um johnny because he has to deal with Roland. He has to mm-hmm. do deal with, not deal with Stevie, but like collaborate with Stevie, I guess, because she has a little bit of a level head. But, and also like he has to, um, I just love, because it seems like him and Moira wouldn't be a match in many ways too, but there is mm-hmm. so much love there, probably just because of the way that they know each other um, in real life and just the chemistry yeah. that they have in real life. And uh, it's just magic. Yeah, you know, I agree. I think he he really uh, I I had a deeper appreciation for, uh, and I've, even though I will continue to mispronounce his last name one way or the other, Eugene Levy. I've been Eugene thinking Levy. about it the whole time, and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I if will... you say <clears throat> Levy, I will say Levy, and one of us will be right. So, one of us know. will be right. If one of us is right, then we'll split the difference. Yes. Um, 
But I, I re- and I think so. I, I think all of this to say that yes, a sad Eugene Levy, Eugene Levy, uh, is is a heart is indeed a heartbreaker. Oh uh, yeah, they, that was really. Ugh. Um, whenever he would talk about like at some point it's going to hit him and he's just going to have a big cry, I was like, oh sweet, oh I love angel. that, I know, you Ugh. goose. Ugh. Um, while we're on the topic of uh, Johnny and Moira, let's let's scoot over to Moira because I think something that made me kind of like misty-eyed in a way that I hadn't just I didn't fully appreciate was reflecting on Moira as a modern gay icon. Oh yes. I I just you know I know that you know the gays the gays as that one uh, that one guy said the gays really started freaking out um, when yeah, yeah, when yeah. the David and Patrick thing started I was like side note I just love I want I, when someone says like the gays really started freaking out I want like a a jump cut or a smash cut over to what the gays are you know what I that's mean that's true yes just uh, I don't I'm picturing don't know the ferry to fire island and everyone's dressed as moira rose well that's kind of what happened not fire island but um the gay club and kind of Mm -hmm. uh, a night of a thousand moiras which i love i yeah i I am full support of that because i'm sure it was fabulous and i love like you know because i mean i think you know there's a lot of talk about like a diva's past you know judy garland and and barbara streisand you know not that she's dead but like is a you know not a a modern day diva Mm -hmm. you know i think that like I guess for me personally, Ariana Grande is not giving me the same thing. You know, oh yeah. Um, it, it you know it's like well, what about Olivia Coleman? Like that's more my speed. You know. Yes. And so I think it's kind of exciting to see like a, a an older woman first of all, like an older mm-hmm. woman who is a kook who, but is as this guy says, like is also like has a heart of gold and has a life underneath her. And that's part of what people appreciate about her. It's not just like her fabulous fashion. It's also that like there's a there's a reality of Moira Rose that that people yes. really grasp onto. And um, that was just exciting. I was like, good. Look at this. Look, look at the gays. Go I gays. Know, getting it right. <laughs> yeah. I this actually inspired me, and that's I, I was I was I was still paying attention, but I was looking up something on my phone. It inspired me to make a a list. It's sort of like a BuzzFeed article waiting to happen. It's like the you know the most icon like the top gay icons in television history. And I just mm-hmm. want to go through a little bit of them really quick. Please, here. please. I mean, the first thing that came to mind who really is just along the lines of Moira Rose is a Karen Walker. I feel like that is because mm. I mm-hmm. think the adjectives or the way he described it was like they they dress well. They're a little bit self-centered, but also like a heart of gold, but also a little bit. I don't know, a harder harder exterior, but they have moments of softness, which I really love. I'm, I'm butchering it. but um, And, of course, I have Moira Rose. I also had Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development. Oh, that's a great choice. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, mm-hmm. I put Eileen Rand, and this is a Smash reference because it's Angelica Houston's character oh, because wonderful. she is most definitely a gay icon on that show. Um, Samantha Jones. Um, oh, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, and I love that all these women are, so far, I mean, at least above... 40 50 something like mm-hmm. that um who else did i have here um i have jackie from roseanne laurie metcalf oh, <clears throat> yes, yes absolutely absolutely i i think the the appreciation of laurie metcalf always deserves to be put on a yes. list yes mm-hmm. um i also had um i went into cartoons for a moment but i wrote linda belcher from bob's burgers because right, she yeah. has that uh, that gay energy, I suppose, or at least like something that I latched onto. And then I had, um, and she's voiced by a gay man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, who else do I have here? 
Oh, and then I have um, the nanny, Fran. Fran Fine. I mean, yeah. speaking of someone who dresses well and just, she's fabulous. So that's yeah. my short list of uh, my BuzzFeed article, soon to be coming out. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to upvote it <laughs> I, I or know. whatever, you know. I know. Um, hearts and hearts and smiles. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I love that. I, I think that's, that, that's I a got perfect... Inspired. That's a perfect compliment. All this is is yeah. who else, who else is in yeah, this chime kind in, of everyone. category of Moira Rose? And so those are some great choices. I I had not remembered Lucille Bluth. Yeah, and, ooh, she's. Incredible. I mean, she's. I love that she's. I, <laughs> I think it really is that lady watch thing. Of I just love that like older ladies are getting appreciated. You yeah. Know? Ugh. Ugh. I mean, I get you know. I guess you could say Maggie Smith, the Dowager. Oh uh, yes, mm-hmm. Dowager that, Countess. Put it on the name? list. Put yeah, it on the exactly. list. <laughs> Uh, love That's that. That's a great one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Guys, this is going to float through my head for the rest of the episode. Oh, yeah. It's so fun to think about this. Shit it is. Too. I it love is. it. Yeah. Ugh, I have a long weekend because it's Friday right now. Ugh. And I have today off and I took Monday off. Wow. So, Colin. Yeah. We do a lot of lady. Have weekend. yourself a lady weekend. Yeah. Oh, it's just going to be, it's going to yes. be like that documentary, The Dames with Judy Dench <laughs> oh, and Joan yes. Plow, right? <laughs> Tea with the Dames. Yeah. Tea exactly. with the Dames. Yeah. It's going to be takeout with That's great. the you know amazon prime yes um so uh anyway uh i you know i really so i I really i loved that this had so much uh of a sort of gay point of view or a queer Mm -hmm. point of view um and kind of i I felt like the making of this documentary felt like amy seagal or amy siegel dan levy dan levy i feel like she was very aware of of what the impact points of the show were and i loved Mm -hmm. how much of it was from a queer point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, like there's a lot of appreciation of David and kind of his, his definition of sexuality, like loving wine, not the label. One thing that stuck out to me, stuck out to me that I'd, I'd love to get your point of view on. Mm-hmm. There was a talking head from a woman named Rachel. Uh, I wrote this down, Rachel Geis. Uh, she's the editorial director of extra. Oh, I already and, know where this is going. Yes. 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 And Go she on. said yeah. what really moved her was David has this gay archness that we all know what that is. It's that gay thing. I could I could spend the rest of my life talking about the gay thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the gay sensibility, the gay way of talking, you know, and yeah. I don't feel myself excluded from a lot of those things. Sure. Um, but I know what. So, I mean, I, obviously, I deeply knew what she was talking about with mm-hmm. this. But that gave David gave it. Oh brother, I'm, gave it. Oh boy, Ew, gave I, it. I'm in high school all over again. <laughs> gave it. <laughs> um, boy, uh, triggered and so. Yeah. I, but you know that David, his that kind of that attitude, which I often find very off off putting in a lot of gay men. I find it very hard to connect with guys like that. But like thinking about where it comes from, this comes from being told that your love is not valid and that you're not valid and you're never going to find love. And so I certainly agree that like what affected me about David and David and Patrick, you know, the gays were freaking out. The reason I was freaking out was because we were seeing between the lines that emotional journey from that kind of, you know, that, that protected state where you just kind of stay bitchy to having to open up and like seeing those moments where he was opening up despite himself. And I think that was, uh, that which I have never, I have never seen that examined on TV before or done so well. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's so much to unpack here too, because just because like, I mean, just like when you first come out, no matter what age you're at, you start and like, 
with like a middle school mindset, if that makes sense. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm in love with every boy. And then you, and then it be like, not even just like infatuation, it also becomes physical and you just want to fuck everything in sight. And then you mm-hmm. also date and you date terrible people at first because Constantly. you don't know any better. And we're mm-hmm. desperately trying to find some sort of, I don't know, some foundation of what a real relationship is. And I, I don't think that it's, I, I think straight people obviously go through this as well. It's just that our timeline is crunched a bit because some people, I I don't know what the average is nowadays. I'd imagine it's probably significantly lower, hopefully. Yeah, right? But there, you know, there are situations where people don't come out until their 30s or 40s and or, or ever. And um, so you're just constantly trying to play catch up um and then eventually you find yourself uh, just like you were talking about with david too like he he talks about his past relationships in the show like he talks about dating terrible people and having terrible friends mm-hmm. and thinking that those people are what friends should be and then you meet people you meet friends and then you eventually meet someone who challenges that and um, makes you feel something that you I guess haven't felt before and and then you start to recognize that slowly but um i really really love and i know some people could go off about it too i think um i was listening to pop culture happy hour and i think glenn weldon said he didn't really like patrick because he thought he was kind of uh, just vanilla and beige mm. um uh do i wish that he was a little bit more like ben wyatt of course but i also think that there's a there has to be some sort of yin and yang to that relationship because david is david and i think patrick is like a very patient kind um logical person you know what Mm -hmm. i mean it's like Mm -hmm. uh that will help david one just kind of come back down to earth but also really get in touch with his emotions in a way that he never has before too. I think it's, it's, and that's what excited me the most about all of it too. It's, I think besides just seeing a gay relationship on TV, but also a gay relationship that, and this is what they said in the documentary. It's like due to the world that's sort of been created around them. No one questions it. It's not, and I think the the interview or the, the magazine person, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. um, Who said that, you know, a lot of, we've said this before to another podcast or to ourselves is that, most gay characters are rooted in tragedy and um you know we have to overcome things and with this it just granted he's overcoming emotions but he's not overcoming the fact that he's gay he's just he's starting with all that bullshit already behind him and i really Mm. i really love that a lot yeah Yeah, that that coming out is not the narrative anymore because for a while i mean so much of early will and grace was all around Mm -hmm. Uh, people knowing or not knowing that Will was gay, you know, yes. and 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 many coming out, hap- you know, situations happening all the time, and and kind of the punchline would often be the way that Will came out, the way he self-identified as gay, and then oh, let's see how the person responds, you know, mm-hmm. and I think all of that it was of a time, but now it's you know in Shit's Creek, yeah, it, it we've already moved past all that. What happens if none of that is part of the equation? even in stereotypical situations, even with some like, you know, real straight guy, you know, there, there's mm-hmm. never somebody where David has to like quiet it down for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think in terms of Patrick, you know, there, there have been times where I'm like, wow, this character is deeply patient. Uh, yes. I, I, this is one of those relationships where I guess I don't see everything behind the scenes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there were times where I would, you know, I feel like, you'd sort of see like 
gays who I don't know, or my concern was mean gays who identified with David and then thought, oh, I just need to meet a Patrick and then everything will be fine. It's mm-hmm. like, well, no, you have to like do the work too because you have to open up. Like you can't. Yes. Like it's it's fun. It's fun to see like David act out and like be so self-absorbed and all that but like in real life like i don't ever want to deal with someone like that you know yes yes exactly it's like no uh in ways keon is definitely my patrick but in no way Mm -hmm. am i david at the same time i have notes of david and like one of the lines that i really keon just looked at me and he was like that is you um is when david said there was something like anytime uh, he's probably rolling his eyes as i say this mm. every time keon asks me to do something <laughs> like if it's like a because tr- i we have opposite schedules so he works nine to five and i work like three o'clock to nine o'clock when i teach so like mm. i have the day to do things but if he's like back when the world was existing he's like can you run to aldi and maybe grab um some this and i'm just like uh because it's like and what am i doing with my life i'm just kind of sitting around but there's a line where david says i think he gave him a list of things to do and he didn't do any of it or he didn't accomplish it all and patrick says why didn't you do he's like i can only do so much in one day and that's like something i've literally like said to (laughs) right uh but uh but yeah i think that there i think we all need different levels of that Mm-hmm. In a relationship that's sort of yin and yang that I was talking about too. There, there has to, there doesn't have to be a crazy one. And crazy mm. is not the right word that to use. I, I acknowledge that too. But um, I can't date someone like me. I couldn't. Mm. I don't oh, think. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, it's like opposites attract, but also opposites are necessary to an extent. And I think there's kind of like a what's that? Like a Venn diagram of like meeting mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. Um, that hopefully that that inner part is just as balanced as the outer circles, I guess. Uh, yeah, I yeah. agree. I, I, that's a, that's an interesting thought. I saw like something on Facebook. I can't believe I was on Facebook, but <gasps> some, I know, I know. How dare you. Slap my hand, but I, <laughs> um, someone posted some meme, some like, I don't know, some life coach or something. It was sure. like, you know, would you date you? And like, if not, what qualities about you, would you find your, would you not want to be you know, in a relationship with? And I was like, excuse me, you know, block, you know, yeah. snooze for 30 days. Uh, I just was snooze like, for 30 excuse days. me. But it did get me thinking about that a lot. It's, a, it's funny. Like, would I date me? I, uh, no, probably not. Yeah. I think that I would, no. I think I would not. I would really like my cat, and I'd hang around for my cat. But over time, I I would probably want someone who could be kind of the... Every once in a while, I need someone to be the lighthouse on the shore, and I need to be the ocean for a little bit. Oh, and yeah. You know, I just need to... It's like, can I just lose my shit for a little bit, and then and then I'm going to kind of roll into shore, yes. and you're just kind yeah. of there. It's all I need you to do, you know? Yeah. See me, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, I would need that. Otherwise, it's just waves crashing on each other. You know? Yes, yeah, it is. I mean, and there are times where both parties are the ocean, and that's where. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like it 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 has to happen. Yeah. <laughs> There's like so many metaphors. I'm like the tides roll out and they roll back I in. <laughs> and how do the seagulls? Fade? I know. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Willem Dafoe shows up. You know. <laughs> I know. In that lighthouse. <laughs> oh my god. Um. You know. P.S. I really want to see that movie, even though there's no way. Same. Yeah, or there's a woman in it, but there isn't like it's not like a woman is in it. You know, maybe the maybe the seagull's a female. That will right, come back. Right, right. 
Like if it was Anne Dowd instead of Willem Dafoe, I would have already seen it twice, you know? <laughs> like Anne Dowd and Glenn Close or something. Oh my God. Oh my God. Florence Pugh and Glenn Close. <laughs> Florence Pugh. <laughs> We're on this rock, this oh, island. Oh God. Yeah. Just staring out in the, into the Just, sea. Oh my God. And we just get oh, Glenn man. from that Instagram story, just closing her eyes and opening them to tears. Yes. The lighthouse. Ugh. Um, well, speaking of tears, uh, yes. I like that segue here. Um, yeah, that was beautiful. I'm going to go to my sort of second uh, on the list here is Dan Levy's Serendipity Duda, which is the worst yes. name for a group, but the message from the group, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know who was smoking what when they decided to. All that being said, it sounds like a beautiful organization, yeah. a private group yeah. for moms. It sounds, I mean, whose gay son didn't step in and say, Mom, let's style this up a little. Yeah. <laughs> Serendipity do nah is what I would have said. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're being so we're being terrible, but yes, uh, I, I agree. Beautiful organization, but when I heard that, I think everyone at the table was even like, "Oh, oh, it's serious." Okay, it oh. is. Yes, yeah, and, but um, they, you could tell they were like about to laugh, and then it was like, "Oh, it's real." Okay, yes. So, uh, so this is a moment where I guess after every episode, they were having these behind the episode things with a round table, and um, everyone except Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy were there, which mm-hmm. made me sad, but also fine, um, and. There's so much of this to sort of break down, but in in essence, too, it's it's a letter that I love that um, Noah Reed read it. I feel like that mm. was the correct person to read this. I um, agree. Him sort of being on the outside of things, and uh, so to speak. But uh, there is something. I mean, the BSA of this entire documentary for me is Sarah Levy. Like, there's something about when she cries that just really gutted me. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment later that it's probably my top moment of this entire Ugh. documentary. And I know you know what I'm talking about. But um, I always hope to look like Sarah Levy when I cry. But I'm really Emily Hampshire in real life because Emily mm-hmm. Hampshire is like going through it yes <laughs> and like yeah. there's so many things happening and she's like inconsolable at this point and everyone's kind of silently crying and um and just dan levy and like the beautiful message that um the group wrote for dan levy just thanking him for creating this world and really it's like representation matters it's like uh, people say it for a reason because it does um mm-hmm. i remember when i came out to my grandma and grandpa, I was of course very nervous, mm. um, and it went well. Spoiler alert! I'll just say that um, it oh, went good. incredibly well. Um, but one of the things that really helped my grandma was that she saw gay relationships on her soap operas, which is like oh. such a beautiful, unexpected part of that conversation. She's like, to just kind of, it was almost like she was trying to comfort me and say, like, you know, I see gay relationships all the time. This is no big deal. It's such a grandma mm-hmm. line, but I was like, that's really nice, grandma. Yeah, um, yeah, right. Uh, She's still being grandma. Yeah. yeah, but like that is, it's like there's so much of pop culture that can be, that can change people's minds rather than like legislation, rather than like having mm. an argument on Facebook over this is just simply watching shows that have this sort of representation in it and just uh you know quote unquote normalizing it even though it's not abnormal but that's it's a word people throw around but it it, it was never questioned it just mm-hmm. is um yeah. so i really loved this entire table read what did you think of all this i i agree i wrote my notes just the letter the letter the letter um it was yeah it was great i i think 
you know, what they said about like what you're doing really, it does matter. It matters as much as what we're doing. Yes. And I think, you know, Catherine O'Hara even says this, that like you're, they're not preaching, you know, and you're, mm -hmm. and it's funny at the same time that, you know, you're kind of lulled in with the comedy. And so you don't feel like you're being purposely taught. And she said, I don't, you know, I don't respond to that. If someone, if I know someone's trying to educate me, mm -hmm. But in this way, it's very subtle, and there, it doesn't feel like there's an agenda. And I don't think there is. I think they're just creating a world. And um, if that's an agenda, I mean, great, sure. But I think it. Um, I, I think in terms of things that, yeah, people who who don't have as much as much exposure to gay relationships, or people who are gay and want to see it reflected on TV, I feel like what Shit's Creek does is um, just gives a really uh, relatable example you know mm -hmm. it, it doesn't it sets it in a world that is neutral to all of that it's not like trying to get your mom to watch queer as folk you know yes yeah and exactly so, yeah, yeah. Like, see mom yeah. look at them yeah you know, right uh, see it's totally normal yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's like it's hard to relate to that but i think this uh and i i think the fact that there wasn't such an agenda for that or or such a an activist movement for that, but that the show is just doing what it wanted to do. And this was a byproduct of it. I think that's kind of the best case scenario. Cause I think once you kind of become aware of like, okay, we're educating people, the it's kind of like when you press down harder on the pen and then too much ink comes out. I yes. think that's sort of what happens, you know? Yeah. And they never had to go further than that because it was just <clears throat> what it was. If that makes sense. It's like, they mm -hmm. didn't have to like make us uh, tonight on a very special episode mm. of Shit's Creek. It wasn't that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it never had to be that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. They showed it and didn't tell it. If that makes sense. It's just yep. like rule of writing. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think aside, uh, a sort of, you know, what am I trying to say? Sidebar to this conversation is also how, uh, how they showed the billboard of Patrick and David yeah. kissing. It's like, how cool is that? It's like, I think I was just so, um, in a way, just like jealous of what Dan Levy has done. And like, I, it's like, you kind of step into his shoes for a moment too, when mm. that letter was being read. And like, I, I, I was, I, I want to give that. I want to give people that too. Like maybe not in the same arena as that too, but like, you just hope that your arts, or whatever you're creating reaches, you know, anyone. And yeah. that it's, it, it's validation, but it's also like, oh, you feel the way I feel and I get this. It's like, it's very much why I think podcasting is just so, um, it sounds like I'm on like an after school special, but like rewarding and also like addictive in a way too, because yeah. you can find the tribe of people that get the references and understand what you're saying and um, that you can, that exist all over the world. And I think that, that this, the TV is just obviously like a, a couple steps up from that, but it's, uh, it's really special to watch and just so cool for Dan Levy. Yeah. Well, I think that like what you're saying about podcasts and, and really kind of the, community that they yeah. create in a way i mean we see that with schitt's creek as well i think it's oh a, it's well, i have a, to talk about that i have a couple yeah of it's a very analogous experience like i've certainly felt that with all right mary and like even yeah. with this podcast when i hear mm -hmm. from people who've like connected with stuff i've talked about on here and especially within the details where a lot of it is really obscure references like yeah. i am not trying to figure out what people are searching for i'm like what would i like to talk about there may be three people out there who know this mm -hmm. reference but if one of them reaches out to me and it's like, hey, I know this, it's so worth it. Like, it's oh, yeah. so worth it. And yes. um, and I so I think that there is like that's one of the things, you know, and we can kind of 
drift into that for Schitt's Creek is one of the things I really loved about this was I think by seeing it, like the, the validation that, yeah, there's a lot of other people out there who are getting the same nuances of Schitt's Creek that we are and, and the community that it's built is, um, again, probably in this sort of quarantine time is really comforting to see. Yeah. I think that, you know, just with any fandom, there are people that love it and there are people that love it. And I'm mm-hmm. not faulting them. Like, you do you. But there was one girl who said she watches seasons one through five every Sunday. They just I, put it yes. on in the morning. And, like, I, I mean, I'm not judging it at all because when I was in my 30 Rock phase, I would go through the entire season, a series, really, and just start right back at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just a longer trajectory for that uh and so I'm not I'm not judging it by any means too, but it's it's really um it's really awesome at the end of the day how much people really latched onto this show. Um I would love to go to one of those tours. I would love I wouldn't want to sit in the orchestra seats. I would want to yes. sit like the first mezzanine, like front row. That's ex- that's the best seat in the theater anyway. So I could kind of be yeah. I could just raise my hand, you know, and like Catherine O'Hara would choose me and then we'd have a conversation. I I need a safe distance away. <laughs> oh my god. You know I, what I mean? I, Oh, do I, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> or like my a luxury word, box. A know? luxury <laughs> box that gives me the luxury of, yeah, of, of, of like the insulation of like, I'm over here. Yes. Like I'm, yeah, I don't have to participate. I'm not going to yeah. get called on. They're not going to shine the light on me to then yeah. like be a part of something that I don't want to be a part of. I just want to watch it. Yes. Uh, that kind of audience participation, I won't go into a whole tangent, but is, of course, my worst nightmare. Oh, yeah. And has happened to me more than once. No, it's like they, it's like when you're allergic to cats and the cats just kind of gravitate towards yeah. you. It's like there's some unknown energy of, yes. of them knowing. Yeah. That happened to me when I went to see uh, Jinx Monsoon's show, The Vaudevillians, years oh, ago. Oh, Lord. And I had to interact with her and she drank my wine and she held the mic to my mouth. I was like, I hate this. Oh, no, Colin. Out and of I all was the at people. the team. And all the people. It was terrible. Um but it was like how like of all the people there, like everyone else at that table would have loved to be interacted with. I was the only one who was like, I really don't want to do this. Yeah. So let's I, I feel like the the documentary itself really turns up the turns up the juice once we get to really like for me, the next moment is that table read of the finale. Yes, episode. that's my next one, too. Yeah. I, I think once Dan Levy starts crying through doing the Ugh. vows, I mean it's yeah reading line readings through tears it, it, it what a gift what a gift <laughs> um but it was like you know it, there was something about this that while yes it would have been really nice to see more tearful moments between the the characters in the episode it was like wow like this seeing how much this meant to the cast and like being there for these significant moments was um as we've already said like was so worth getting instead of like getting it on the show itself you know yeah. mm-hmm. i and just seeing all the women sort of join you know it's like uh emily hampshire starts to cry Catherine mm-hmm. o'hara and annie murphy Catherine o'hara just like does a quick dab you know um Ugh. it's permission for the viewer to also because like you're holding it in and then mm-hmm. you see uh, like oh okay it's okay to cry now it's like right, anywhere right. that you feel like you're the only one crying and then you're like, okay, I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it fly here. Yeah. Okay. We can all do this. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. That's such an experience of yeah. like who gives permission to cry in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oof, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Right. Um, 
I uh, I love that. I, I feel like, and this may be, because there's a flashback to this, so I may be jumping around slightly here, but there is, um, this may be taking us to the Sarah Levy moment you were talking about before. I have one before, but we can totally go to Sarah Levy. I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm oh, ready I mean, I do have one before that, but I just, uh, well, let's go to that one then, because I think then let's talk about what do you have before that moment. Uh, it was just this Shit's Creek rap on Annie Murphy. Okay, good, because I have that note as well. So I was okay. like, actually, I figured, I figured. I mean, I, like, I just not wrote skip the page. in all yeah. caps. I'm like, forget about it. I just had that, because I rewatched it again this morning, and that mm-hmm. was when I... Uh, besides the Sarah Levy moment, I think that's where I kind of really, uh, because it is just, I wish they would have shown every character, but I'm really, really glad that they chose to show Annie Murphy first. And then they mm. did show um, Dan Levy uh, as well, yeah. too, right after, too. I'm sure they did it for all the people in that scene, because that was technically the last scene of them mm-hmm. saying goodbye. Um and just Dan Levy and Annie Murphy kind of crying. I could just imagine how beautiful that friendship is in real life. And I love how Annie Murphy says she's going to invite herself to over Catherine O'Hara's for dinner for like years to come. And I'm uh, like, oh, can I just show up, please? I like right. the Alexis hands. I'm like, right. can I come too? <laughs> but that, that was just a yeah. minor one. But uh, I had to throw that one in. I had that too because I really love Dan Levy's hug cry face when he hugs oh, someone and starts yes. crying. Mm-hmm. That just gets me. And yeah. when Eugene Levy and uh-huh. Catherine O'Hara come over and hug them, like yes. I, that moment was really, was really incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, uh, good. I'm glad we we recognized that. Yeah. So because the note that I took next, which maybe moving into what you're talking about, yeah, go for is it. I just loved that family working together and there's a shot from the table read of Eugene Levy in the middle and then Sarah on one side and Dan on the other and they're both crying and it was really beautiful of like wow like you did what a great like show in show version of like telling us about the family working together Uh, you know it is gorgeous it's beautiful um yeah I wrote down everything that Sarah Levy said perfect um and, and I think this is kind of what you were saying that she said that this idea was born in our family is what she said. And then she said, this is my family. It's her family because it is her quote unquote, actual flesh and blood family, but it's also like her TV family too. So it's like two of them. And she says, it is something that I'll never get the opportunity to do again. And there's something so um, sad about that at the same time, but also she has the right mindset because she continues to say, uh, I'll never have the opportunity to do again, and I do not take for granted one day that I've been so lucky to be able to work with my family. I just love that moment. I love the choice of words. I love her gratitude, and I love her. And the, her voice just cracks at the perfect time throughout that entire, you know, couple of sentences. Mm-hmm. And because um, it's it's so rare that something like this does happen, and she knows that she's not a. She might have done some acting here and there, but like she knows that this might be. I, I want to work for her. Uh, I want not to work for her. It sounded like I said that. Um, yeah. You want to work at the cafe? Yeah. <laughs> Just Twyla's assistant. Um, yeah. I want her to work again, but I, she might not have anything as big as this again. And just kind of standing outside of that for a moment and looking in and just, um, ugh, I just loved it. I really love her a lot. And I didn't. Yeah. I was surprised by that because I, I like Twyla and I like Sarah um, from what little I know about her too. But um, that was like an unexpected, really emotional moment for me. I agree. <clears throat> I felt like she was very much a BSA of all of this, Ugh. of this whole documentary. She really, uh, 
yeah, there, yeah, I think all, I think maybe because of that, maybe because there's those double layers of like, she's on this show that became such a, a cult thing and she gets to work with her family and like getting to see that is, uh, yeah, it's really beautiful. And, um, and very feel good, you know, again, all so much of this just goes back to this, like, feel good, feel good 42 minutes that, you know, came at the right time. Yeah. Oh, and also like the early scenes with what Twyla could have been. Remember? Oh, that? yeah. So interesting. It's like she mm-hmm. was a little bit like mousy and a little bit more um, almost like a Pam. I guess, yeah. in, in a way, like an alternate version of a Pam with like glasses mm-hmm. and all that stuff too. But I'm so glad we got sunny, you know, bright, fizzy, bubbly Twyla. Yeah, yeah. What she turned into was such a great character. And like, so you could see that they're that, like what Dan Levy talks about towards the beginning of all the character work that they did. You could really see that in Twyla because <clears throat> we don't see much of it, but there's a a really complex inner life hinted at about her. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite Twyla moments is when I think David is learning how to ride a bike. And then Twyla says um, like her, her advice for riding a bike was like, well, as my stepdad used to say, or my mom's boyfriend used to say, you put one foot on the ground and one on the pedal and get the hell out of here. I just love that so much. That's really good. Yeah. And that always stuck with me with Twyla. Um, I wish there were more moments like that. It's like the in 30 Rock with like all the Mickey Rourke stuff with Jenna Maroney, like all mm-hmm. the or like Kenneth talking about like her mo- his mom's boyfriend Ron, you know, it's like sort mm-hmm. of in that vein. But I like right. that. But I'm glad we got that at least too. I'm right. Like, all right, Twyla. Yeah. It's that small detail they're like, "Wow, there is a whole world there that I don't know about." Yeah. Um and I think in terms of, you know, uh this this really taking it home. If you have, if it's kind of like Grey's Anatomy, if you're not crying by the like 45 minutes in or about like 85% into the episode, the show will throw a well, a well scored montage. Oh yes. And I do believe that while we did not get snow patrol or the fray, um, (laughs) we did get this great song called to build a home. Uh, as the montage music, music that was so perfect. And part, part of me felt like so Canadian, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of having one of those classic, you know, we love a montage, a, a montage oh. of best supporting actresses, yes. a montage of acting moments. Um, and to me that really like sold, it was getting that, like that, that sweeping montage at the end of this, just, it took me out. It was great. It was, it's a beautiful song too. I was wondering mm-hmm. what that was called. So thank you for bringing that up. I'll probably look it up. And Yeah. I believe the band is called Cinematic Orchestra. Okay. But I will look it up right now and I will vamp. I'm right. Okay, good. Phew. The Cinematic Orchestra. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a great song. Uh, but one of the things I loved within all of that, one of my favorite nuances, and I think it goes back to what I identify with with David and with Dan Levy, even if I'm still getting his last name wrong, sure. is that when he cries, he does this thing with his hands where he like plays with his palms. And I I fully recognize what he's doing there. Mm-hmm. I know what that is so deeply. I'm like, yeah, no, I have that thing. I get that. And I think there was something about that that was like, it made sense why I love this show so much because I felt like I really identify with like the heart and the mind behind this show yeah it's such an interesting human choice it's not an acting choice because he's not acting I'm acting right (laughs) um uh that he plays with his rings and it's like Mm -hmm. he 
uh, it's so uh, I just want to hug him because he mm. says he says I'll miss this a lot and then he has to stop and then he does that adorable little snort and then mm. he acknowledges it's like when I cry I do this little snort thing it's disgusting but I it's so adorable um, yeah. I just feel like he had to stop himself before the floodgates really opened mm-hmm. um, and then he says it's just like a family so it's hard to say goodbye but within that sentence there's like three or four stops Oh um, yeah, of just the voice breaking a little bit too, and um, and it's like he's ho- he has to like hold on to something, so he's holding his hands. You know what I mean? It's right, like, right. Ugh, uh, it's yeah. The only a- thing mm-hmm. Go I was gonna say, the only thing more heartbreaking than watching someone cry is watching someone try to not cry. You oh know? yeah, that's like acting yeah. one hundred and one. It's it's beautiful. It's like almost right. crying is it's far more effective. Yeah, you gotta like hold that tension. Yes, and that I totally got that, and I think um you know, all of that towards like it all kind of between that, I feel like the, there was the humanity moment there that really got me, but then there was also the, the editing and the art of the documentary and the montage. I loved how, um, the way that it ended and it like pulled that scene of Johnny Rose saying like, it's called Shit's Creek. It's where we live. Ugh. And it was like, Oh, and you know what I loved the most about that? It was that it was a great example of that Schitt's Creek editing where the the next shot is Moira like nodding and smiling and she's kind of just like furtively agreeing with him. And then that's the last shot of the montage. Uh, I was like, that's what I fucking love about this is you'd end on her agreeing mm -hmm. like a secondary character in the conversation having the emotional reaction. Yeah. I just, I, uh, I threw whatever was left in my bank account. I just threw at the screen. I loved it. Yeah. Because you just want to stand behind him and be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that they like showed that they didn't like, I feel like it would be so on the nose for that to be the last shot. But for it instead to be her was like, Amy, this documentary is fabulous. Yeah. Emmy. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if that's like, if this is eligible for an Emmy. Yeah, I don't know. But um, oh. uh, it was, uh, this was great. I would, I would watch this again. I was surprised rewatching it that it still made me emotional. Um, oh yeah, I I yeah. knew it probably would, but um, and I we didn't talk about this at the beginning, but just to kind of talk about the entire you know run of Shit's Creek, I really love the choice to wrap it up on a high. I think it's such mm-hmm. a smart um, control, like they're in control. It's like not on. It's not like the network telling them that they're you know they've run its course. It's like yeah, it's the public's now finally catching up and they want more. There was like all these news, you know, interviews and mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, Hoda, <laughs> Hoda copy. Oh, like, why are you doing this? And I feel like I'd get so annoyed after a while. I'd be like, bitch, it's fine. It's like, we've been doing this for six years. You're just catching up, you know? And yeah. they already wrote it. They already wrote the last season or last episode or something. He says like, it was already in, in the can almost. It's mm-hmm. like, they knew what they were doing. And I, I really admire that about a show that just doesn't push past its prime, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Well, certainly I, th- I feel like, I mean, you know, The Office is such a classic example of a show that probably should have ended when Michael Scott left, you know, yeah. like that really should have been the end and it would have ended on such a high and it would have kind of, and there would have been a way to kind of wrap it all up. But I think to keep going, it's a real high wire act. And I think a lot of, I, I have not seen many shows kind of, go that long 
and there are shows that can go many seasons and sustain. Yeah. But a lot of times there is that idea of like jumping the shark, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, tough. I can only imagine. I'm sure it's a, it's obviously a business thing. There's money behind mm-hmm. it. It's like, let's pump as much as let's get as much as we can out of this show. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. When yeah especially when it gets like big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be, I mean, I know that Annie Murphy has this, uh, I can't remember the name of the show, but she, it's like this weird thing where she, plays this like sort of leave it to beaver housewife on tv and then like breaks free from it or it, i'm i'm i should have done my research i know okay but she's got a really cool project coming up Ooh, i need and to put her on our bsa list so we put her on get, the yes Google put her on the list her or something. Yeah. yeah um but i don't know what you know what, what the rest of them are up to i would have to imagine i'm sure dan levy's like i'm gonna do nothing for a oh, little yeah. bit yeah yeah he's worked his ass off um, yeah um so i respect cool. that you know, that for some reason, whenever I think about that, when I think about someone who has wrapped up like a movie or a TV show, something where like, you know, they've put in like 12 hours a day mm-hmm. and thinking of then they went on vacation for two weeks somewhere. And I always like to think of like the first day of vacation when they like settle into the cabana chair. Oh, and yeah. Like, and uh, and like, is that either the most peaceful moment or is it like and I can't turn my brain off? You know? Sure. Yeah. I think of like um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, like after mm-hmm. he left Hamilton, like the cast of Hamilton, like after he's yeah. like, OK, I'm done. I'm going to go and let the show is going to live on and it's going to be fine. And just. Uh, yeah, it's it's. It seems so lovely. <laughs> yeah. It just seems so relaxing. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. Or, and it seems also like. uh You've earned it, you know, like, yes, I've been laying around for two months doing nothing after doing nothing, <laughs> you know, like I want to at least like earn this exhaustion. I know. know. That's how I feel during the weekend. I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know how to feel right now, but uh, <laughs> we'll find our yeah. way through it. Yeah. I'm told to relax. I don't know from what. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, this was I, what a pleasure. I mean, obviously, there are so many moments of, of the last season that we could do a whole episode on. Oh, yeah. David and Stevie sitting on the car, David acting through tears. Like, hold, talk about a perfect example of holding back the tears. Mm, yes. That scene was, maybe eventually I will, because that yeah, scene was just it. expertly done. Yeah. Um, but this was indeed my favorite part of quote unquote season six was this these best wishes and warm regards agreed agreed well thank you for uh crossing over here um and uh and joining me on in the details always a pleasure Mm -hmm. um where in case people don't know you in case they're not crossover listeners of best supporting podcast where can people find more of you yeah well like colin just said you can find us every wednesday at the best supporting podcast where we talk about our favorite best supporting actresses Oscar and otherwise, really, we're kind of branching out. And mm-hmm. um, I am, I announced last, well, just two days ago, I guess, um, that I'm bringing the No Good, Very Bad Gay podcast back for a third season. I'm going to cover movies by myself. I'm flying solo. Um, movies that I've never seen uh, that are just like canon in queer culture. I'm really excited for it. I'm going to kick it off with All About Eve. And I have so many things to say. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov. Lovely. Well, yeah. thank you. Folks listening know that if they want to get in touch with me, if they want to share their thoughts on Schitt's Creek 
and uh, especially this documentary, if they want to tell me all the names I mispronounced, that uh, <laughs> I can't wait to hear. Yeah, I'd like to um, know too, honestly. Please, yeah, but uh, do it with fuzzy kid gloves. Uh, you can, of course, drop me an email at inthedetailspod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Colin Drucker. You can send me a message there, or you could follow me on Instagram and send me a message there at uh, Colin Drucker underscore. And um, otherwise, obviously, you can find me on Best Supporting Podcast or All Right Mary. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I um, for, for two months of social distancing, I'm doing a lot of talking. So that's been good. I'm keeping that limber, you know? That's right. Um, anyway, folks, I want to thank you for joining me this week for a uh, slightly different celebration of all of the um, emotional human choices, micro moments, and magic in the minutia of the Shit's Creek behind the scenes farewell documentary Love Later. Later. Man, Love I almost later. got it. You later. Almost had it. That's okay. Almost had it. Man, I, I carry shrugged it. I just I stumbled on the landing. <laughs> uh, oh, well. Um, no one's perfect. Pobody's right. nerfect, to, to quote Pam Beasley. <laughs> and I think that's a good note to go out on. Oh, so, perfect. uh, <laughs> see ya. Bye. <laughs>